screedle deedle, a doodly dee, a screedle deedly doo. Sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation, you're listening to Gotta Talk. Gotta Talk. Um, Johnny Destructo, aka JD, aka the Thwip Tribble. My name is Len, and I am known as the Bat Tribble. To and you, I'm Brandon, aka Inspector Spacetime Tribble. You always have to wait for the kiss, Brandon. You don't want to talk over that kiss. It's the most important part of the show. Do you want to kiss, Brandon? Sure. Is that what it is? It's also part. Yep. The most important part of this. Nutritious breakfast. <laughs> the, the thing that people don't know is that kiss is actually when giving JD a kiss every episode. Yep. Yes, it is. And if you saw JD, you'd kiss him too. Oh, we're off to a sweet start. This is nice. <laughs> made me feel good. Um, we are here to talk about whatever we want to talk about in the realms of pop culture and comic books and movies. And, and we're doing it at the Hero Complex. 4327 Main Street, Maniunk. It's a comic book store. Mm-hmm. Come buy some comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we want to talk about today? Do we have letters? I have one letter. We have one letter. We have... One, 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 one. What is that accent you're doing there? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's one of those M&M accents. We're just <laughs> like, weird. dude, just don't, don't do that. This is a, an email from Rhonda Green, a.k.a. Ludite Tribble. Oh. With being unable to find any financial records for the films in the 1940s and 1950s, an analysis that I maintain shows that 1989's Batman. Oh, never heard of it. Ranks as having the highest net profit of all the DC Comics films. Yes. After this weekend, Joker mm. is now number two. Oh, wait. So Batman in 1999 is still number one? That's what she said. Adjusting. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh, all right. She says, after this weekend, oh, now I understand. Batman's number two. Yeah. She says, after this weekend, Joker's third weekend out, Batman 1989 is now number two, dot, 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 the villain one. Ah, snagglepuss. That's 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 a cute little uh, point there. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, good for you, Todd Phillips. Good on you, dude. It's funny, though, that... uh there's been so many more movies uh, I don't know. from DC. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know where like, she's getting that. Because BVS didn't Box beat? Office Mojo has Joker as number nine and 89 Batman as number eight. With It has Dark Knight number one, then Dark Knight Rises, then Wonder Woman, then Aquaman, then BVS, then Suicide Squad, then Man of Steel, then 89 Batman, then Joker. But you're looking at net... Like total, total gross. Total gross. Yeah. She said Talk net profit. profit. Oh, okay. You know, and how much, what they spent versus how much they made. Right. Which kind of makes sense because Joker is definitely... A, kind of a low, low budget. Yeah, movie. low tech. Yeah. As opposed to all the rest of them. And Batman 89, because of when it was done, yeah. is certainly going to be cheaper than any of those movies like Dark Knight Rises and Wonder Woman and all of them. Certainly cheaper than Aquaman. So, it, it tends to reason that net profit... Yeah, maybe adjust it for inflation. That makes sense. Well, I'm glad that people enjoyed the movie. <laughs> hey, I'm already in, I'm already encountering people on Twitter and online who are like, their profile picture is of the Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, and their profile name is Arthur Fleck, and they're just spewing all sorts of BS. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, great. Here we go. Awesome. Edgelords win. Yeah, good for you. It's just like the um, the Jokers who are all up in arms because of HBO's Watchmen, which just hit this past Sunday. And oh, my God, to be a man in Re- Regina King's trunk. Lord. Oh, oh, God. Oh, I see what you've done. Okay. I get it now. Take me a second. I was like, that that's salacious, Len. <laughs> oh, but I get it. I get it. Uh, so, yeah, Watchmen dropped mm-hmm. from, was it Damon Lindelof? Yes. Lindelof. Of, uh, of Lost fame. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that star went out real quick, didn't it? True. But he also did the show, HBO show, The Leftovers. 
Uh, I didn't see a single. Which actually wasn't bad. I read. I, I read the book. Okay. And it was boring. The the, the show was pretty good. It's not a thrill ride at all. Yeah. But uh, the show was pretty good. So I was actually very excited to see what he was going to do with this. You know, um, more or less peer into the future of the Watchmen universe. Mm-hmm. From the uh, seminal 1985 comic book. Now, I was not sure, looking at the trailers, if it was going to be a future of Watchmen mm-hmm. or if it was somehow a, just a rejiggering of the, the story characters itself. and what's happening and like just a very loosely based, we're using the name Watchmen and look, there's people with masks right. kind of thing. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised uh, that it was the, like, I don't know, the future. So yeah. are we to assume, I don't, we don't have an actual timeline, but in my head canon, it sort of took place... When the book dropped, 1986, right? 1985. What the like show? Yeah. No, no, no. No, he means the like the book itself. Events of the book yes. took place during the, the time 80s that the graphic of this novel universe. came out. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, that's what I'm at. Right. And I was glad to hear it. And there's some hints in there that I would say they're basing it off of the graphic novel and not the film version by Zack Snyder. No. They've already said that, yeah. No, I didn't Decidedly just from the source. That's not how I do this show. (laughs) Research. (laughs) Um, It's all emotions. Yeah. Um, And the first, your first inkling of that is when everybody has to pull over because of a certain storm (laughs) that comes down and all of a sudden they're just these icky little squids falling out of the sky so gross it was so gross but it was so it was so well done Mm -hmm. it was so well done man um they they got this so right so i've heard a lot of hubbub online of people upset at it um for for a couple of reasons i think there are the people who are alan moore purists Mm. um uh, i think i think that mostly consists of alan moore yeah, uh, he's he's yes. he's the only guy like whose nah, name is not attached to this at all. It's yeah. actually actually kind of weird to see them credit in the opening credits, you know, based on the Watchmen graphic novel, and it just solely says by co-creator Dave Gibbons. Yeah, it's really kind of weird. To see uh, Dave that. Gibbons, uh, he doesn't seem to give a shit. He he's he like, put his name on the uh, before Watchmen stuff mm-hmm. and the movie. And yeah, the- and it's not that he you know has anything against Alan. It's like yeah, I feel you, Al. Yeah. Um, yes. Here you go. Uh, if you could, if you could make that out to David <laughs> Gibbons, yes, please. LLC, please. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I didn't know how to feel about this. I know that there were going to be people up in arms about it, um, but I thought it was great. I, uh, it's a very strong start mm-hmm. to an HBO drama. Yeah. Which that to me that still carries weight. Yeah. If someone's like, "Oh, there's a show coming," and I go, "All right, where are we going to see it?" Oh, HBO. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that still has weight. And I like that um, this show, because if you if you read the comic book, the, the graphic novel from the 80s, there are some subtle commentary on race in that mm. in that book. But because it is decidedly about the heroes in that world, it doesn't delve too deep into it. Th- this this series, <laughs> this series from the jump, yeah, you know, like you know, we've got a certain point of view uh-huh. that we want to get across. This is the story we are about to tell because because in doing that, it tells a story, a Watchmen story that wasn't told, mm-hmm. you know. So that's what that's what I really liked about it. And man, does it start off with a bang! Several this, of them, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, as I was watching it, I was getting my memories mixed up. And I was like, is this the book that's got the guy, the hangman character? Mm, Hooded Justice. Hooded Justice, is that what it was? Yes. Uh, was that in Watchmen? Yes. Uh, oh, because I was thinking New Frontier, Darwin Cook. No, no, no. He's got like the bag over his head bag and on the, the head rope? Of, yes. Oh, yes. shit. Yes. I yes. wonder if they both use that character because yes. I remember well, there was a character. Well, here's like the thing: that. it depends on which the one that had the hood on his head. What color in your in your mind? What color is the hood? Oh, I don't remember. No, because I say that because the hooded justice is from Watchmen, but in Astro City, there was a specter-like character called the Hanged Man, who had kind of like the 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 sack. Yeah, I remember over that his neck with the with the noose tied around it. So I just want to make sure that which one you're remembering. 
Um, I know that there was a character like that in New Frontier. Brandon. So, according to Google, um, in the DC Comics miniseries DC The New Frontier, a black man, John Wilson, takes on the name John Henry while donning a black hood secured by a hangman's noose and produces a sledgehammer in an attempt to avenge his family who were murdered by the KKK. Thank you. Okay, so, all right, so that's New Frontier. But yeah. there is a character, Hooded Justice. Yeah, Hooded Justice oh, yeah. is okay. yeah. in Watchmen. Okay, cool. Nice. Um, but, yeah, I like that they went that route. It was It's a brutal opening. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a scene and it's it goes by so quick if you blink you miss it but there is a uh, young kid and he's holding an infant oh yeah and the infant is very clearly dead yeah just lifeless and it was, uh, it was uh, I was like oh okay here we go <laughs> well just to open it into that world where you know it's it's 1921 right yes 1921 in Tulsa Oklahoma. And black people are just being murdered in the street. Yeah. I mean, with right. And at first, when you first open it, you see people getting people are running around and they're getting shot. And you're seeing it's a bunch of black people. But in the quick flashes, you are seeing there are white people on the streets. And it is only as this, the scene goes on that you notice that the white people are reveling and what is happening to the black people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, hold up. Where the, where we at? Mm-hmm. But it, 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 it just hits you like a, like a ton of bricks, man. Um, now I did not know that this was an actual thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, the Tulsa race riot, mm-hmm. um, happened on May 31st and June 1st of 1921. Uh, and I was curious as to what instigated it. The riot began over Memorial Day weekend after 19-year-old Dick Rowland, a black shoe shiner, was accused of assaulting Sarah Page, the 17-year-old white elevator operator of the nearby Drexel building. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Oh, God. Anyway. Now, and now, mind you, it, and it was brutal in real life. I don't think it was as, you know, exaggerated or this is certainly heightened more. In, in this uh, on on a watch. At least I whites, thought it was. Thousands of whites rampaged through the black neighborhood that night and the next day, killing men and women, burning and looting stores and homes. About ten thousand black people were left homeless, and property damage amounted to more than one point five million in real estate. No, maybe it wasn't heightened. Maybe it really. Yes. I didn't think Luke. that. I, I didn't think that it was at that. Thirty six deaths. Jesus. Eight hundred plus injuries. Wow. Yeah. So. Interesting way to start off your Watchmen show. Yes, but that just makes the following scene, which quote unquote is a routine traffic stop, mm. just makes that much more powerful mm-hmm. and tension filled mm-hmm. when that happens. Just fant- just fantastic. And did you notice the thing? Oh, even before you go to that. Did you notice the thing at the end of that whole opening and there there is a a child holding a baby. The child is walking towards the camera and you see kind of like something unfocused in the camera that he's walking to but it's hanging in the air. Oh. And then the camera cool, flips. Right? Yeah. And he now you're behind the the child and you see that he actually is walking two captions. Yeah. That are up in the sky. I'm yeah, like, as soon yo. as I saw it, because like, yeah, the, the, there was very fuzzy kind of shapes yeah. right at the very top of the screen, and I was like, that looks like an N. I yeah. there's text up there, and he turns around, and I was like, ah, that's cool. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's so um, cool, man. Oh, what was the other thing? Uh, so I had a couple of... <sighs> I can't tell what side, quote-unquote side, this show wants to be on. Okay. Because you've got the Tulsa riots, but then I also felt like there's... They have something to say about gun control because when the cop goes back to his car mm-hmm. and he needs to have his Glock unlocked because it's locked in his car, yeah. and then he has to call dispatch. Dispatch has to ask him a couple questions and then unlock the the pistol for him. Yes, um, and it keeps jamming, resulting in this guy getting murdered. Right, right? he gets machine gunned. To oh well, not no, he's not he's not murdered. Um, but yeah, he's yeah, wounded. No. 
Oh, that's right. Because he's later in the hospital. That's right. That's true. Um, okay. So. How about sick? Because he looks dead. Yeah. So, because at first I was like, what a great idea. You have to unlock the pistol in order for the police to have it. That's wonderful. Um, mm. But then, of course, the very first thing that happens is that dope goes poorly. Exactly. Um, and then I also thought later after watching it, I was like, this show feels a little bit like, well, police officers are the real victims. And I was like, that's a little uncomfortable, too, because I was like, but are they, though? The current current climate with how many people are just sort of being murdered by being in their own homes by police officers, it's a little brutal. Well, I mean, but this isn't this isn't the real world. Like, I see what you're saying, but um, also, have you seen the trailers? Yes. Because I just, I remember in one of the trailers, it seemed to hint that police officers, the reason they wear masks is because if people see their faces, they go and, like, attack them. Yeah. So, so it's officers, making police officers yeah. the victims. So I think, I think in this universe, they're not necessarily drawing parallels to the real world. I think it's just, in this universe, maybe police officers are the victims. And it's like, sure. maybe it's that, like, people, yeah, like, people who are protecting, who are trying to protect others mm. are being attacked. And I get that, but also from a story standpoint, it is making statements. True. And about things that are happening in the real world, whether or not it's I that real world or they'll not. They'll probably tie it into Watchmen more. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that'll, that might be a reason for the, the turn. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And also, someone had countered me with, well, this is just the first episode. This right. is the point of view of the police. So, of course, they're going to be a little bit more. Um, sympathetic to you know to police yeah um, not that i and i don't want to come across like i hate police that i'm right. all police are evil or stuff like that but it just felt a little strange given you know current events that's all no that's that that is true but um it, i think there is um there's 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 some very meaty commentary and conversation to be pulled from this from this show because also you have to think about the police captain Played by Don Johnson, mm. um, doing some amazing work. I have oh. to, I have to say, like it's you know, great. I I like Don Johnson, but I never thought like you know, like Don Johnson was like you know, mm -hmm. but Don Johnson was doing some work in this yeah, in yeah. this show. Um, but he is pretty much complicit in the Regina King character. Mm -hmm. Basically, just be going going rogue. Yeah, yeah. Going ham. Uh huh. Oh, like you know, yeah. I got, I got a guy in my trunk. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, knew. I I figured you'd want uh, want me to round up some people, so I just got a head start. Yeah, I round up the usual suspects before you ask me to round up the usual. Yeah, suspects. I broke into his home. <laughs> I literally kicked open his door, punched him in the face, dragged him into my trunk, and brought him to police headquarters. Yes. So. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe it's not so pro police. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh -oh. But then she was right. But then no. she was right. No, okay. Yeah, she's right. But still, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? But don't get me wrong. She, she's right. But Regina King can do no wrong, no, as I'm, far as I'm concerned. I'm saying she can. I'm saying, like, now I'm coming more on the JD side that, like, with the opening scene and then with this scene again, where, like, she. It's, it seems like she was justified in doing what she did because, oh, she got the information. It's like, I don't know if I'll, that's not necessary. I'll do you one better. Uh, spoil, obviously, spoiler alert for I the mean, show. We we're going to ruin the yeah. whole, but like the very, very end of this show. We're talking about Don Johnson, and I was thinking maybe we shouldn't talk any further about that character, but too late. So um, we're going to do it. Because it wasn't too late, but okay. Don Johnson, well, that's why I get a spoiler alert. <laughs> right, well, I mean, right, if we right, talk right. about the guy getting shot in the beginning, like, that's pretty big. Yeah, but that's yeah. within the first couple of minutes of the yeah. show. It doesn't matter. And this is a major. It. This is a major character. No, right? No, a major no, name. No. Well, right. Used to be major name. Um, <laughs> no offense, Don Johnson, but I mean, really. So uh, at the end, though, the white guy is lynched and hung from a tree with his shoe off. Like mm -hmm. that's another very specific visual representation of something. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's another thing where, like, look, it's the police officers who are getting lynched. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a little uncomfortable, but I have no problem with that. It doesn't make me want to not watch the show. It just makes me go, oh, we're dealing with some interesting yes. parallels here, and I'm curious to see what they have to say moving forward. I'm not mad at it. I think it's very well done. Uh, I like that it's bringing up uncomfortable sort of conversational bits, yep. Yep. Um, which I think good pop culture should do. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. I can't wait. I'm going to be watching it every week. Um, and I also think that it is fair to see these characters, what do they call the Seventh Army? The Seventh Cavalry. Seventh yeah, Cavalry. Cavalry. Seventh Cavalry, um, which I feel must be a reference to something that I'm just not get, getting. Um, but I think it's fair to extrapolate, you know, them taking on, you know, following in the, the edict of uh, the Rorschach character from the comic books. I think that is a fair landing point from that character from the graphic novel. But I think it's interesting. It seems like both sides take something from the Rorschach character because the, the police officers also wear masks. So I think it's everyone is influenced by him in different it shows how he influenced different people in different ways maybe yeah but the mask i like, guess i guess, I guess like, because the the mask the police are wearing are is to hide their identity right but you could also and, you could also you could also say that you're wearing masks because there were masked heroes right and also when the one guy when um the officer when the captain needs the mirror, he says, put your face down. Yeah, which because is, his face is right. kind of mirrored. Also, it's, I love that actor. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to know his name. Yeah. He was in, um, oh, Man of Constant Sorrow. Oh, wow. I didn't see that. No, no. It's not. It's a song that's in the movie. Oh. The Coen Brothers. Oh. Um, George Clooney. Oh, I'm a Dapper Dan man. Oh, God. Oh, brother, we're out there. Yes, it. I did it. There we go. Thank you. You were stuck. I was stuck, man. I couldn't find it. Anyway, he's great. We thought you was a toad. Do not seek the treasure. Anyway, he's great. I was glad to see him in that. Also, that mask is dope. It is that dope. shiny silver. Yeah, I don't know how dope. they made that, but I like it a lot. I don't know if there's any like CG happening there. Or if that's a legit thing no, that they I created, a that's, that's legit. Man, that's real cool. Yeah, um, it's like a it's like a mylar. So uh, let's see. The Seventh Cavalry Regiment is a United States Army Cavalry Regiment formed in 1866, so you know it's good. Its official nickname is Gary Owen, after the Irish heir Gary Owen that was adopted as its march tune, famous for its participation in some of the largest battles of the Indian Wars, including the infamous Battle of Little Bighorn. Mm. Um, it's Their commander was George Custer. Mm. So yeah, we're definitely dealing with some, some references. They're doing their work. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's the kind of stuff that, um, you know, there's certain things that I'll take in from cop pop culture and it feels impenetrable and I have to do a bunch of work. And I don't, for instance, right now I'm reading for uh, Spiral Bookcases, a local bookshop. They do a book club and we're doing the Yiddish Policeman's Union mm. by Michael Shabon, the guy who did um, Cavalier and Clay. Right. And it is a little impenetrable at first. So I had to do some digging and I don't know if I care yet. But this one, I'm all in. I'm like excited to do the research. I'm like, oh, what's this? And what's this thing over here? And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so. I feel you on that because there was a book, and this is going back more than a few years, but there was a huge Houdini um, biography hmm. that was put out that posited that Houdini may have actually been like a spy hmm. back in the day. And like, I was really like, oh, my God, I can't wait to read this. I'm, I, I love Houdini. And I opened up that book. And admittedly, I got to page 100, but it's about 400 page book. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't remember anything that I've read because mm-hmm. it's just so dense yeah. that it's like, I, I, I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, it's a shame. I've never finished it. Anyway, what did you guys think about? Uh, I see you brought up the cast. What was yes. that actor's name that we were mentioning that plays the shiny face? Tim guy? Blake Nelson. There Thank you. you. There you go. Yep. Um, what do we think guys... about Regina King? Fantastic. Fantastic. The second I saw her shoulders, I was like, oh, she's going to do work. She's going to be doing work in this show, man. And she does work. She gets worked out. She gets. She gives out work. She she. Deuces is up. She is no joke with a with a with a gun. She is balling. I love her, her her outfit with the flowing leather jacket. Oh my god, and the mask and the nun look and all that. I love her the scenes with her daughter. I love the scenes with her with her husband played by um what's that um Yaya Abdul Mateen. Uh, oh, where do I know him? He's, um, he's Black uh, Manta. Black Manta. Thank you. No wonder, uh, I, no wonder I didn't remember him. Yeah, and you could see like it's, it's, he can play totally different. You mm-hmm. wouldn't you wouldn't look at him yeah. and think he's from there. You also probably know him because uh, he's in a 
great episode of Black Mirror mm. as well. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's... A, it's, oh, my God. I, I, I love Regina King. I love... I, like, she was good. Don't give she, me that. Friendship she was, over. They're done. She was good. <laughs> she was good. Um, I didn't. She hasn't done anything yet that made me really be like, "Oh wow, what? Uh, Are you kidding me?" I mean, she showed up and she did the work, but it's not like I was blown away. Are you kidding, dude? When she is after they after they, they she grips up the redneck, they take him, put him in this pill where shiny head man gives mm. him like this the fifth degree, and realize like he knows something, but he ain't going to talk. Uh-huh. It's like, Oh really? Yeah, yeah. That's a shame. So he gives, she gives him like the slow walk. You know, like I'm really sorry. You know, that doesn't, you know, but that doesn't excuse how I treated you. I'm so wrong. And then throws him in the room, and then all you hear is like boom, 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 yeah. giving him mad work. And then she comes out of the joint just like yeah. old farm. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Yeah. I'm like, yo, she G. She G. <laughs> she straight G, dog. Are you out of your mind, dude? Yeah, she was good. <laughs> oh, and then when she when they go to the farm, when they go to the farm, and all those seven cavalry dudes are, are lighting them up, and they are just tearing these poor cows to pieces. Oh, that, oh, I forgot about that. That was disgusting. That was disgusting. She's laid up behind this one cow, and he is just getting pieced. Like ah. pew, pew, pew. all you just hear is like. It was, it was pretty gross. Oh my god. Yeah. So what uh, I was gonna say <laughs> is, what did you guys think of Ozymandias? Oh, um, uh, what's his name? Scar. Jeremy Irons. Yes, Jeremy Irons. He was great. Well cast. I like his. Uh, I'm gonna assume genetically engineered. Yeah. Uh, helpers. I don't That's think they're they're not yeah, real people. Yeah. There's something off. The I second forget. when he hands him a horseshoe. That's instead right. Instead of a knife. Yeah, yeah. I'm this, like. Yeah. Also, one of them massaging him naked doesn't doesn't care at all. Yeah. Well, just rubbing his thighs. Just rubbing his thighs. No, Jeremy Iron is a perfect yes cast for Ozymandias. Yeah, Adrian Vite. He is. Yeah. He, he's boss. Well, he's yeah. Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Like, when has he done anything wrong? Yeah, he's. Uh, he, he was, I was very happy to see him. I was like, oh, I know who this is. Yeah. As soon as I saw him. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, this was great. I can't wait for more of it. Yeah, and the thing is, it's only going to be nine episodes. Oh. And Damon Lindelof has basically said. This is it. No. Yeah, he no, said it. No, it's not. Now, who knows? They made, you know... Nine uh, episodes? Back up the, the, the mint to him. Yeah. But he said it's going to be nine episodes, and that this he has this story to tell. That's it. This is basically his Good. Watchmen graphic novel. Holy I'm okay shit. with that. Yeah, I'm I mean, we'll see. That. Yeah, moving forward, we'll see. But it feels like there's there's so much... Oh, it's only been one episode. But it feels there's like there's so, so much, much to do... out, yeah. ...that I'm like, only nine episodes? All yeah. right. All like, right. You, didn't, did you get the little reference of who the president is now? In this world? Yeah, there was a billboard or something. It was Robert Redford. Redford, yeah, yeah. It was like death to Redford or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, that? yeah, but then there's a... And when she's talking in the in the classroom, in the beginning... Oh, that classroom scene. When Regina That's King... That's something I wanted to ask. ...is giving, a, giving a, uh, oh. telling her story to the mm-hmm. class, and then one little... Boy, yeah, yeah. Just ask her more or less about what, reparations. What was the word? Oh, is that the it, word he it, used? He didn't, he didn't say, say reparations, that. but it more or less is a yeah a, akin to analogous to yeah. I was wondering if he was just because he's a kid, and you know how you know when you learn a word when you're a kid, you mm-hmm. kind of say it wrong. Um, I thought he was just saying reparations incorrectly. Just saying it incorrectly. Yeah. No. So yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. And, and Regina King just says, "Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Excuse me." Uh, Oh, yeah. And There's, then her daughter. Her daughter, <laughs> yeah. Wait, lunges across the daughter? She just keep, Yeah. Her daughter just comes like, I do get Yes. I don't, uh, I don't I shout that a, nearly enough. Pretty sure it was her son. Oh. Wait. I thought that was a girl. Played by Dylan Scombing. Wow. Well, he did a great job. He did a great job. Good acting. Um, I'm wondering, what's, I, what's I, going I, on I with her kids? I thought that was a, a girl. I don't remember. Was what, it? what are... Her kids are they adopted? Because they're very light for two dark-skinned parents. No, they're white kids. They're yeah. adopted. Well, that was one of the well, things they haven't I kinda, said though. I turned right, to that's Sushan what I'm curious about. after after first of all because I didn't know that the Tulsa situation was real, and I didn't know that it was referencing actual um, mm. history. And then we see who. What was the play? 
Oh, Oklahoma. Black Oklahoma. <laughs> hey, you can't call it that. Um, black Oklahoma. Their and then because they were, uh, there were black parents with white children, there was a part of me, I, I turned to Sushan, and I was like, is this just a world where white people are scarce? Like they're the quote unquote minority? Because mm. that'd be neat too. Mm. Um, so I yeah. feel like that would well. I think that's what you're meant to believe yeah. in Oklahoma, at least. Yeah, because especially with how I think that opening scene was purposeful. That like it's a black police officer and there's right. a white guy in the car, and the mm-hmm. white guy's scared to like reach into his glove compartment, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're definitely doing a spin. Yeah, yeah. which again, very interesting. I'm in for it. But, see, uh, but the, see, I'm sorry. Just to go back to the kid. Only because she references the character, Regina King's character. And what's the character's name? I'm, Her name is Angela Abar. Right. She references being raised in Taiwan, yeah. I thought. So, and the child looked like it might have some Asian to his features a little bit. So that's what, the hair made me think of a, of a girl. I'm sorry. I think. But... It looked like he may have some Asian to the features, so I that's why I thought that it was hers, maybe not necessarily um, her husband's child, but that's why I thought that maybe it was her child. It could be her child. Yeah, that's but then her daughters, too, were also white, so maybe she had a they whole family like beforehand. Really, they, see, they didn't look... Maybe, I don't know. They didn't look like real, real white. They look real, real light-skinned. They didn't that's look, possible. They didn't look white. Right. To me, I didn't read them as white. Um, oh, of course. I like this little nod. Um, I'm on IMDb now, and I see the Tim Blake Nelson character with the ro- sort of the silver mask, and he's got it rolled up past his nose, and he's eating a can of beans. Oh, like mm-hmm. um, like Rorschach. Right, Rorschach. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm excited. This is good. I'm I'm glad that I'm enjoying it. Me too. Because I wasn't sure. So you were you really see I. Like the trailer, I knew I was interested. I've been fooled, man. This oh, DC stuff, I've been fooled by this DC stuff. That's true. Well, yeah, but the D- the television stuff for the most part, yeah, it's hit and, and you know, for the most part, you most know? part hitting. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Is that it? We're we done. We're done the show. <laughs> no, we're not done the show. Um, speaking of DC television properties, yes, Brandon recently finished watching. Smallville. As oh, you finished all the seasons? Yeah. Ooh. Previous uh, listeners to, uh, long-time listeners to, the, to Gutter Talk know that Brandon has been wat- watching Smallville in preparation for the upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover mm-hmm. on the uh, CW Arrow, uh, Arrowverse shows because there are going to be some characters from Smallville on this show. Brandon of Incompletus wants to have watched it. I did it all, I think, in about a month. I took a break to watch Birds of Prey because that's also going to be in it. Right. That was a mistake. I hated Somebody that show. Somebody save me. From Birds <laughs> of Prey. But too late. <laughs> but in doing so, in watching Smallville and in also keeping up as Brandon is wont to do with today's comic book scene and reading Superman... Both of these properties, if I'm don't want to put words in your mouth, Brandon, have um, made you do a turnaround on the Superman character in general, correct? Uh, kind of. I mean, I read his whole Rebirth series, and that was in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I had already kind of turned to him. Where were you before? Like, you weren't Honestly, interested in him at all? It was, I just considered him boring. And then I read some stuff, like I read, like, Superman for All Seasons, and honestly, I would think probably around 2015, American Alien is probably what really turned me to Superman. That's um, Straczynski? No, no. Max. Yeah, it's Max Landis. Max Landis. Oh, okay. Ugh. So, yeah. Mm, that's Which is, it's un- Yeah, it's unfortunate because it's a really good series, <laughs> but I feel bad recommending it to people. Um, but, yeah, so that was real good. And so that kind of turned me towards Superman. And I've just – it just happened to be that there's been a lot of Superman stuff, like – I've been watching Smallville, Deceased number five. I'm not going to spoil it, but it had a really, Superman was really important to that. Deceased was a, is a comic book series going on right now. It's a miniseries about sort of quote unquote zombies in the DC universe. Right. And it was um, specifically like Superman being like hopeful and everything. Yeah. So him being like a symbol. So that was cool. And then Titans had an episode about Superboy. 
And so, and then Superman Smash of the Clan just came out. And so just, oh, it's there's great. been just a whole lot of Superman in my life lately. And, and so Superman Smashing great. the Clan is actually a very interesting comic book. What's the 30-second pitch on that? It's a comic about um, an Asian-American family who moves to a small town, and they get attacked by uh, not the actual KKK, but the stand-in for the KKK. And, they, and Superman shows up, and he's going to help them. That's pretty yeah. much the first issue. And it's based on the 1946 yeah. radio serial mm-hmm. uh, that ran for maybe 12 episodes, mm-hmm. and um, was uh, so. What the the pitch behind the pitch is that basically there was a guy who was researching the Klan, and he brought it to the news outlets, and no one wanted to touch it. So he took it to the Superman radio show. They wrote a series about the KKK in that show and broadcast it, which then. Uh, because of the light that was shined on the KKK, saw a, what was it, 40% drop? Yep, in their um, membership. Or yeah, like so that. it was yeah. like Superman stories having a real, real-time real effect mm-hmm. on on the on the climate, which is really cool. Yeah. You're right. And this is written by uh, Gene Luen Yang, and the art is by Gura Hiru, who are a, a uh, artist duo yeah. who did Gwenpool. And it seems like this is an all-Asian um, creative team, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, it's a so, three-issue yeah. series. Highly recommended. We reviewed it on Spoiler Alert, the other show in the podcast feed. One of the other shows. Yeah, so so now where are you with Superman? I like him. I like him a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like, yeah, I just really like, I like the character. I like how inspiring he is. So, yeah. I, I think before, I always considered him, like, boring. And I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Because he, I think not a lot of, if it's not a solo thing, it's hard to give him the time to really shine mm-hmm. but because you see him and he just seems like this all-powerful guy but then when you when you see him with other stuff like you see that what's actually important about him is how inspiring he is right mm-hmm. not necessarily who he uh like his powers and stuff like that yeah so you find him to be inspiring now yep that's the part of him that i find interesting is the inspirational part mm-hmm. well that's cool that's dope Randy will be very excited. Randy will be very, very, very excited. I do. There are some Superman comic books. There's few and far between, but there are some Superman comic books and stories where you get it. Yeah. And you do feel like you get welled up like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, you got, go ahead, Superman. Mm-hmm. You is the dude, man. All-Star Superman? Uh, which is, yeah, the first one that comes to mind. Superman for all seasons. Secret Origin? Oh. I love Superman for Secret Origin. That book makes me cry. I, I um, actually just uh, turned that uh, turned a friend of mine, uh, Marisol, at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. I turned her on to that book. We swapped um, recommendations, and I gave her Superman um, Secret Origins. She loved it. Wait a minute. I've never read it. I meant Secret Identity. Yeah, you did. Is the book that made me cry, mm. um, by Kurt Busick and Stuart Eminen. I always confuse that with Secret Origins, which is the book by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. A good book as well. Yeah. But it did not make me cry. I used to confuse them as well, uh, but then I had a comic book store, and I sort of just <laughs> eventually learned. Um, and thus you learn. Hey, here's a, just a side question in regards to Superman and the inspiration that he brings. He is so inspirational that over the course of time, there have been millions and millions of doppelgangers for Superman that have been created in and around the comic book universe. Yeah. Have there been one that sung to you, that spoke to you? It was like, huh, I like this kind of take on this, this archetype. Does it have to, like, can it be a DC one? It can be wherever. Brandon, do you have an answer for this? I got two. Go. First would be Invincible. And Nasty, I don't think he is, though. No, I think I think his is. pop is. His dad was Superman. He's Superboy. He, okay. Yeah. But his dad's from the planet. Invincible is the kid growing up on Earth with the powers and everything. All right, tomato, tomato. But I also, I always did see Invincible as kind of like a a cross of Superman and, and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. So I can see his point on, on all right, Invincible. All right. And my second one would be Hyperion. 
but specifically from Jonathan Hickman's run because I really liked him. Hyperion from um, John Hickman's run on what? Avengers. Oh. Oh. Okay. Sure. Yeah. What, he, what did he do with Hyperion? Because I never liked Hyperion. He's a character who comes. I don't know if this is, was from his other stuff, but he comes from a different universe. Yeah. That. That's. So yeah. And that's canon. He's raised on Earth, so like he he's trying to be a hero, but also there's these like alien like kids, mm-hmm. it's like zebra kids, mm-hmm. and he like raises them. And so it's, he kind of learns how to, like, be a person almost and how to be human through raising these kids. So oh. that was a lot of fun. And also he becomes, like, best friends with Thor, which is cool. That, like, they have – like, he has these kids who he can connect to from his human side. Mm-hmm. And then he has Thor who can he can connect to from, like, they're both being so all-powerful and everything. Okay. See, I remember um, years ago – uh, J. Michael Straczynski, am I saying that right? Yes. He did a take on the whole Squadron Supreme, which is where um, Hyperion comes from, that felt like they were like real world. Supreme he- power. Supreme power. Yo. That is, that's the Hyperion that I really locked onto. That was the Hyperion that I liked. He was basically real world raised up by like the military um that was so cool wasn't that was was that gary frank too the the art Uh uh-huh yep yeah that was that was some good stuff um my my probably my the first one that comes to my mind is superman analog well first of all famously taking you back into into the world of history because i'm the older guy here ladies and gentlemen Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, when he was created back in the 40s, was deemed by DC as a ripoff of Superman, so much so that they sued the comic book. And while that that lawsuit was in the courts for years, DC ultimately won and forced Shazam and Foster Comics out of out of publication only to then later buy the buy the character. I never saw Shazam as a analog for Superman. I mean, yeah, they both were super powerful, but outside of that, I really didn't see like where one was biting off of the other myself. I always thought that was a bit of a stretch. But if I am talking about you know, these analogs for Superman. The first one that comes to my mind is um, Apollo from The Authority, from Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch's run, who was basically a, a Superman character, even though I, don't, I never learned his origin. I'm sure they've told it, but I never learned it. But he was a, a solar-powered Superman, and with the powers of, with the sun bathing him, he could basically do ev- anything and everything who was in a same-sex relationship with the Batman of that universe, who was... Oh, I just drew, drew a blank on his name. Uh, um, Apollo's... Midnighter. Midnight, the Midnighter. Um, his uh, boyfriend, husband, something? Yeah, I think they eventually did get married. Um, I always like that kind of take on it. You know, there's been fanfic over the years about Superman and Batman, and this was basically their fanfic. Some would say that fanfic coming true, but I liked the Apollo. I liked that his his character design was not really Superman esque because he had a white long mane of hair and he did not have a cape. So I I like that. Yeah, I, I I like myself some Apollo. He was pretty cool. Um, not Blue Marvel. See, Blue Marvel was cool, but I stood. I just let me. Sp- Right? Yeah, Same power set, right? I mean, it, it, except for like the heat vision and stuff like that. I guess. I mean, yeah. but I think it, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't connect the two. I, I could see where you go there. Mm. I mean, to me, if you're going like straight Marvel, you can go Sentry. Well, funny you should say that, Leonard. Think I was going to say Sentry. Um, now, the problem with is that uh, so many of the Sentry stories have been Blech, bunk, mm. uh, and the character got pretty annoying during Brian Michael Bendis's uh, run on Avengers and stuff. But as a character, as an idea, 
for his inception was interesting because very interesting. They um, the story goes that you know they found a bunch of sketches and stories like in storage at Marvel Comics uh, of this old timey century character mm -hmm. um, that had uh, uh, gone missing. And so they were like, well, we're going to publish him for the first time ever. And they published him. And it turns out it was all just story, yep. which ties into the meta reality of who the character is and the fact that not only was the character, quote unquote, forgotten in the Marvel Universe, the spell was so big that we, the readers, forgot that he was a character that we were reading about back right. in the 60s. And I th thought that was just so much fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. And uh, the character... Besides being a Superman pastiche, is also his own supervillain because he's fighting the century. Or I'm sorry, the, the void. void, the void, who was like a nega version of the century. And we come to find out that whenever he uses his powers, that sort of automatically engages his other personality, mm -hmm. which is the the void. Um, so in order to defeat the void, he had to take himself out of the game. So the, all of that stuff is great. As an ongoing character, not yeah. not that interesting, but for little ones and duns, like I think Jeff Lemire even did a Century miniseries last in, yet last year that was very interesting. So yeah, he's going to be mine. I just wish they would do something better with him. Yeah, so yeah, me too. good question. Yeah, you're welcome. Nice divergent. Or what? Do you, what's the word I'm looking for? Nice. Like I'm right. Yeah, divergent. Divergent. Okay. Uh, or, um, digression. Digression. That's what I wanted. Digression. So anyway, anything else, guys? Tangent. Yeah, I was thinking that, but I didn't know it was. I didn't feel like it was a tangent. It was a. It was a. It was on the same path. I don't think there's anything else. Okay. I thought there was something else. I mean, do you want to talk about the threesomes? Let's talk about the threesomes. Oh yes, let's talk about this, please. Okay. First of all, it's on my bucket list. <laughs> it's not on mine. So. Uh, no, no, not this particular one. <laughs> oh no, I was. I, I, I've done it. Oh, good for you. Uh, Tell us about that. This is one. not where I thought we were going. <laughs> okay. That'll be on the real gutter talk. Yeah. So, Jonathan Hickman. You haven't really? <laughs> no, not yet. Oh. It's come it's up. It's scheduled. It's come up. But, uh, <laughs> it's listen, Christmas. Listen, I am terrified of STDs. And it has to, so it has to be people that I. Well, anyway, yeah. Well, ideally, it would be people that you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've well, already got you one. Want, you don't want. <laughs> I'm halfway there. I'm one two thirds of the way there. So, Brandon, tell us more about, about your threesome. About your threesome. Well, it was with this person named Jonathan Hickman, oh. who writes this comic called X Men Number One. I don't know where I was going with that. So, <laughs> X Men Number One by Jonathan Hickman came out this week, and in it, you see the floor plan for the summer household. And What's all the summer house? So, Scott Scott Summer, that's his yeah. name, right? Yeah, <laughs> Scott. So he um his he decided he wanted his family to have a house on the moon. So it's his whole house and his whole family, and you see a floor plan for their house, and you see where everyone's bedrooms are laid out. It's a big circle. Yeah, it's a big circle, mm -hmm. and there's three rooms on the left, three rooms on the right, three rooms on the top, and the three rooms on the right, in order, are Scott's, then Jean's, then Wolverine's. And interestingly, the only rooms that have doors between the rooms are Scott, Gene, and Wolverine's. Yeah, all the other rooms are self-contained right. with no doors into anyone else's rooms. Mm. Also, Wolverine's only non-summers there. <laughs> oh. So it's, oh. it's real interesting. So now that yeah. is interesting. So a lot of people are theorizing that maybe Gene and Gene Scott and Wolverine might have be in a bit of a polyamorous relationship mm -hmm. in this new run. I well, love it. But wait a minute. Why are they theorizing that? Well, have Gene and Wolverine been shown to be in a relationship at all? No, but it's only been one issue. But also, the the last issue of I think Powers of X, the uh, the Council of the X Men established rules. The Council of the X Men. And their first rule was make more mutants. So clearly it's a directive with these guys that they're supposed to be just having a lot of sex. Yeah. So is, that seems like the best way possible if you have two guys who are in you to have them just live Are in you. Into you. Because oh. <laughs> oh, I certainly heard it. I, I heard what I you heard. I don't think that's how DP works. No, no, they're both in, they both have feelings well, for you. Well, I guess some of them might as well just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah. I don't know. I think that may be... I thought it was 
because people have been saying a lot of that. Like people said in the last issue, it seemed like there were people making eyes at each other, and I was like, I don't know. But this this seems pretty blatant. Like I don't and know why there would be Scott having sort of a con- uh, there was a conversation between he and um oh Emma uh, nope oh nope Lorna yeah Magneto's daughter mm-hmm. which seemed to have undertones of like history between right. the two of them recent history so I was curious about that and and I didn't even notice this Gene Gray or, I'm sorry Gene Scott and Logan thing. But seeing the floor plan, right? It's, it seems very clear. I'm sold. No, yeah. no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go. There's there. not even. Now I'm looking. There's not even doors. There's just open. It's just like a hallway to different rooms. I think it's cute. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. I mean, I don't have anything. There's nothing wrong with a polyamorous right. relationship. It just seems weird to put in an X-Men comic. Well, actually, it doesn't seem weird for an X-Men comic. Yeah, if it was going to be any place, it would be in yeah. an X-Men comic. Yeah. So it, there's, it, that's fine. But I think that this is maybe a leap here. Now, it may be him, Hickman, doing, you know, giving you clues because Hickman doesn't do anything accidentally. Right. True. He's very meticulous with his planning of He's, this stuff. He also at one point said, what do you call a group of X-Men? Or what do you call, what do you call it when a group of mutants get together? An orgy. Ah, so an orgy of mutants. Like, seems like he's he's dealing with some sexual things in this yeah. comic. Not like, obviously not heavy sexual. His brain's things. down in the gutter, but mm. not our gutter. Not our gutter. So Although you're fine with this? Show, oh, I'm open. I'm all for it. I think it's great. Why not? Why not? Monogamy is a construct. I get it. Um, but uh, I don't see. I don't know if I could handle that kind of relationship because I'm also very like insecure and jealous. But I also understand that it, it can work. I mean, this all also goes back to like we don't we still don't fully know what's going on in this series. Yeah. Like lots of these questions. these might not even be the real X Men. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So mm. and also why not deal with stuff like that? There's not who no, says I'm with dealing with it. I mean? Like I I, I think, just think it's a leap. It's um But I understand. Yeah, I think it's an interesting story point. Yeah. Um you know, we're dealing with all sorts of queer characters in comic books, and why not this? You know, I think it's and cool. and and if that does prove to be the case, then good on you, mm-hmm. making it your the stars of your comic as opposed to reintroducing, um, an, or introducing a new character or throwing this on, yeah, you know, some kind of like pre- side, yeah, side character because a polyamorous relationship could be seen as the next you know evolution yeah Whoa. of their mm. of all of their relationships so it's not it it doesn't just feel tacked on it wouldn't yeah. just feel tacked depending on how it's handled right. if that isn't if it's in fact at all. what he, yeah what he wants plus the x-men you know they're dealing with newfound freedom in so many different regards because of what's been happening in powers and house of x mm-hmm. um everyone lives on this island it's a it's utopian yeah there's their 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 footprint is very small because of krakoa making most of their stuff and mm-hmm. it's it just feels almost like um a, like a commune right mm-hmm. so i feel like it feels like a cult almost almost yeah yep yep you're not yeah you're not wrong Professor Xavier has been real creepy. Yeah, especially like when the those X Men came back, and they were all like cheering for them and everything. That was, it was interesting. We'll see where it goes. And this actually could be a way. Just trying to think of you know how Marvel is living their their life overall now with everything trying to be in some type of synergy with one another from the movies to the comics to animation and all that and television this could be some type of way to introduce characters that we all know that we're all familiar with that we all have a history of and and generally have some type of um, fond relationship with and use them in as a um, your vehicle to tell some stories that you might not be comfortable telling with, you know, what are now your A-list heroes with your Avengers because they're all up big up on the, the movie screens and yeah. all that type of stuff. Um, I don't know how comfortable they would be introducing some of these themes into that world. Right. But maybe they, if they could build this up 
as doing something different with the mm-hmm. X-Men. So now you don't have to, once the X-Men get into the movie world, which you know they will do, they don't have to retell the same old yeah, stories yeah. again. They've got new things, new avenues to investigate that also make this feel different than the world that the Avengers live in. Yeah. And then when the two come together, it's, is all that much more meaningful. So there could be a lot of method in the madness here. Yeah. I'm into it. I think it's cute. That's it. Yay. Anything else? We done? We good? Going to see Star Wars? I'm excited. I got my tickets already. We pa- We were on the show. I don't know if you heard, Len. We were doing, <laughs> spoiler alert, and we paused the show because I'm over here doing the thing and I'm talking to the microphone and then I got Noel over here gesticulating wildly at me and I was like, what? 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 What do you want? So I paused the show and we went and he's like, tickets, tickets are on sale. So like, <laughs> I got my app up because we've got the Regal uh, Crown unlimited card. So free tickets. So I went on my app and I grabbed my wife's app. I got her a seat. I got me a seat for free. And then he bought his tickets. We're all in the same row. Very exciting. I'm stoked for some Star Wars. And that comes out in December? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got my tickets. I got there late. So there were tickets available at 7 p.m. But I was like, eh. So I got tickets at 7 p.m. But then I was like, well, let me just check the 945 showing. And there was one seat in the middle of the theater. And I'm seeing it in IMAX. And I was like, I, I got to do it. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah. I canceled my 7 o'clock. And now I'm going to have to see it at 945. Nice. Dude, that's killer. Is it, though? Because then I'm going to have to avoid the internet all day. Uh oh you're oh I'm sorry wait a minute I you, it's the next night it's Friday no, night it's Thursday night all day what we talking about on Thursday like people are gonna see it like in the in the afternoon and right. stuff like that oh so what was your first attempt seven seven p.m. yeah so it was still that's a couple of hours what are you talking about yeah but like seven is such a nice time too so what you do is you are you were already planning to avoid the internet until seven p.m. Mm-hmm. then at seven p.m. Yeah, no, you go just... to you go eat dinner. Yeah, I'll nah. eat it at the thing. Who would that to eat I'll dinner? I'll get popcorn, to, but and then I'll have it the next day. Oh my god! Thank you so much for joining us. This, on this. show has come all the way back around. Did we talk about popcorn? On I don't the show? think we did. Honestly, were we recording? Oh, I thought we were recording. I don't think we were. Doesn't matter. No. All Thank you, you know is I like to eat popcorn for breakfast. And we'll like, leave it there. He no, let's saves, leave it. He saves no. yeah, the popcorn. Yeah, because he's not eating popcorn for breakfast. It's different. He takes the popcorn from the movie theater. He orders a big tub of it, and then he brings the rest home that he hasn't eaten. Yeah. And, and then saves, saves it. it. Yeah. For which, breakfast. Which I've, like tr- I've, food. I've gotten my popcorn from the movie, and I'm like, this is so good. I'm going to save it for later. And I get it home. And only a few short hours later, I'm like, oh, I got that popcorn. And I go back. It's bad. It's, it's not good. Fun. It's like, like it's it. like chewy and soggy Here's a little the bit. Thing, Brandon. See, si, senor. When you bring this popcorn home, yes, to save it for breakfast, mm-hmm. where are you saving it? I just put it in the microwave. I don't turn it on, but I just put, oh, you just it in put the it in the mic. Oh, I see. So it sits in your microwave oven overnight. I guess. I feel like you're saying that's a like it's a bad what thing. What if you put it in a Ziploc bag? Would that help, do you think, Len? Maybe. How would I put it in a Ziploc bag? What do you mean? Well, how would you put it in a Ziploc bag? They sell really big zip. Yes. You do put the whole bucket in the. My I was man. confused. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much for joining us on this very special edition of Gonna Gonna Talk. Talk. I've been Johnny Destructo. If you want to help the show out, please, please go on to iTunes and rate and review us. Throw those five stars up. Help us get some more uh, listeners. Yes, and go on to iTunes and leave a rating and review for Cult Pop. Uh Leave a rating and review for Black Tribbles. And leave a rating and review for Gutter Talk itself. All three are available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere and every place you find podcasts. But if that's not enough for you, if you're like, oh, snap, I like these shows so much, I want to give my hard-earned dollars, you can go to patreon.com slash johnnydestructo, throw us a a dollar, and there's there's new stuff up there. There's thunder rounds that we do on Wednesday mornings. Noel has been joining me for those, so it makes it a lot more fun for me. What are thunder rounds? Thunder rounds, thank you so much for asking, Brandon, are 60-second reviews of a book that is coming and hitting shelves later in the day. So it's an early advanced review of a book that you haven't read yet. Um, and you can go to patreon.com slash black tribbles where we are giving a Patreon exclusive podcast, Greetings from the fan from the Bat Base, where I am reviewing 
the Batwoman TV series. I'm also reviewing the last season of Arrow up there. I'm also talking about recommending comics and talking about a whole bunch of ancillary uh, fun stuff every two weeks. Patreon.com slash Black Tribbles. Greetings from the Bat Base, our Patreon-exclusive podcast just for you. Yay. All right. I don't have anything. Go do all that stuff, guys. And we'll talk at you later. Da-da-da!